everyone, I'm Esther Kovac, co-founder and CEO of Drone Talks, and today I'm talking with Wes Ryan, who is a program manager at NASA, but he has multiple roles. I just learned it, so maybe Wes, what do you do at NASA exactly? Well, I'm, I'm actually very lucky because I'm part of NASA's Aeronautics Research Institute, and uh, it's at NASA Ames, and NASA Ames is traditionally known for researching air traffic and the future air traffic system, uh, but NASA as a whole, uh, as an organization, is also very involved in the future for aircraft, for new types of operations, um, so not just the airspace. So um, I, I'm also involved in just you know research for airspace and future airspace management, but also the aircraft themselves. And uh, I'm also part of an airworthiness um, board for NASA where we're reviewing uh, new aircraft that are trying to do research so the airworthiness process to make sure they're safe to go fly. So I work on all kinds of different things. So you do a lot, I, yeah. I have a feeling. And uh, from this, you know, what do you think, what's, what's the future of drones, you know? What, what do you think, how it transformed a few years, you know? Because I, I have a feeling you work on a lot and you know what happened like 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, NASA yeah. was already there, yeah. right? So what do you think, what 10 years ago you, seen is this really what happened now and when what's coming up uh, what's what's your what's your view on that oh it's uh, yeah so there's uh, some interesting history behind where we've been and there's a really bright future for where we're going so uh, I'll start with a little bit of the history um, you know everybody always wants the government to move faster so when I worked for the FAA I was part of a group that was an innovation group and we were working with industry to try to bring new ideas to certification. Uh, the challenge for that obviously is we have to do that safely. So uh, we can't just go at the pace of innovation that some other industries do uh, because we have to make sure that the public is safe and the new ideas are ready for civil use, for safe use by the public. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've always are sort of, there's this balance between innovation and safety, yeah. innovation and you know, the, the pace of technology, and uh, at the core of that is the pace of regulation. Any regulated industry always, you know, is regulated for a good reason, for safety of the public, but also it makes it a little harder to, for somebody to jump into that business as a brand new entrant and be able to just go make money right away. And that was something that we saw it took some time for people to understand, that they couldn't just come from yeah. another industry where they were a startup, and my software background yes, industry, yeah. let's say the two, and right. they think like, hey, in two years I succeed. Right. Yeah. And one of the big jokes is the way to start, uh, to make a small fortune in aviation is to start with a big fortune because it's expensive to yeah. to be in, in aviation. But the hope that I have and, and the pleasure that I've had in my job is that I've been involved in a lot of the cutting edge technology development. And the key to innovation is really having the partnership between government, industry, and uh, maybe even academia, because sometimes new ideas need to be matured into a minimum viable product before they can be brought into the market. And sometimes that minimum viable product may have a use in a low race, a low risk use case that can be put into a limited operation to gain experience with it before it goes and becomes the backbone of, of our new aviation system. Yeah. And so traditionally that's been the way NASA has helped the FAA introduce new technologies. There's oftentimes research that happens and then five to 10 years later, 
products become real and then those products go through certification. The challenge, of course, is right now we're in a, a pace of technology where people don't want to wait 10 years for a regulatory change anymore. Yeah. And you know, I don't work for the FAA anymore, but they understand that and they're working to be innovative in their processes. So um, to me, I always kind of try to stress that the FAA doesn't certify ideas, but NASA is in the business of making new ideas real and, and bringing futuristic things into reality. And so uh, it's been really great to have that experience in the aviation industry, but then bring some of that uh, into NASA and be part of those future planning for automation and the use of artificial intelligence. Those are all kind of things that we're involved with at NARI. Can I agree more? And in my humble opinion, I think an industry can succeed if it makes itself with other industries. So drone cannot be only drones. It should kind of connect with artificial intelligence, mm. with, 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 with the internet of things, you know, with, with, with a lot of other type of, uh, of um, solutions and technology to be able to create something which is really workable and mm -hmm. solve problems. Yeah. So now we talk about automation and someone told me I must mention automation and ask you about automation. <laughs> Actually, it was Lorenzo, our co-founder. But I think automation is the hottest topic currently, and yeah. and 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 the question is, how can we scale without automation? I don't think so. We can, right. but how can we automate? And and how can how can we basically adopt these new technologies in the already existing, not automated right. technologies? So maybe my question is naive, but that's no, my no, question. No, no, it's a great question. So. <laughs> I'm also part in NASA of what we call our Convergent Aeronautics Solutions Program, our CAS program. And the whole premise of CAS is to look at what we call wicked problems or problems that are very hard to solve and automation is one of them. Uh, and so what CAS is doing is looking down the road at, at where technology is moving and mapping a way to get to that future state and then figuring out what types of gaps in technology might exist or what type of research can, that can be done to move towards that future goal. And part of that analysis, um, you had mentioned kind of moving business forward and, and how innovation happens. And in terms of autonomy, um, there really needs to be three things that are looked at. And one is all the businesses look at the desirability of their idea. Is there a market for it? But sometimes they forget about the viability of the idea. Is it something that can be technically accomplished is it something the regulatory authorities can, can accept and if the public can accept it? Um, because the more we go towards autonomy, you know, I know there's already pushback for people getting into a car without a driver. Yeah. And so there may be short-term pushback on people getting into an aircraft if there's not a pilot up front. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a path. It just means we have to be methodical about it. So for example, we can have assistive technologies that help pilots do a better job. Uh, in existing larger aircraft, like in transport category, commercial airliners, automation plays a huge role every day. And that is done by a very specific process to bring new tasks into the aircraft to make the pilot's job easier, to make yeah. it more functional. Um, at the other, at, sorry to stop you, but does automation mean I remove totally the pilot? Because no, no, totally it, no. Right. I, and, and when people like in, in talking about social acceptance, they assume that straight right. away, right? Yes, that's kind of where I was going. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. For no, no, that's great. I, I'm glad you asked because people think that there's this black and white autonomy yeah. is no human or just human pilots, but we have a historical um, 
you know, aviation history where automation has played a key role at every breakthrough in capability. So whether it's the early days of airmail and the early radio navigation that allowed, you know, the planes yeah. to fly safely or the invention of radar or now GPS-based navigation, all of that has been automation building into the airplane to help the pilots be more capable, to be safer when they fly, you know. Make better so, decisions. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's a key what, what, what people must understand and, and I think social acceptance is a key and I think we as an industry and including myself, mm -hmm. we don't put enough effort towards the social acceptance, right. to education, to explain the capabilities because we know so much here yeah. in this conference. Yeah. We all know, but as soon as this door closed, outside people don't, right? right? That's true, So yeah. what, what's your view on social acceptance or, or is... I think, uh, you know, it's very interesting. Social acceptance depends on really two things, and it's it's that desirability and the viability and feasibility of the, that's three things, but of the, the product. But like take cell phones, for example. There was a lot of resistance to people having cell phones, and now, we can't imagine our lives without them, right? So, so part of innovation and implementation of automation is making that value statement and showing that value to, to people who are using the technology. And, and this conference is a great example because uh, when there are some small experiments going around, around the world of package delivery, for example, and there are people looking at that from the outside that think, oh, that's, that's a really highly specialized thing. I can jump in my car and go to the store and get coffee or you know, go get yeah. things I need. But in the places where they've implemented that, it gives the people who have access to that more time so that the 10 minutes they might have spent going to get coffee before they go to work, they can spend with their children, right? So some of that social acceptance is presenting that value to, to people. And I think um, NASA's vision for our future airspace management system under our Sky for All program is one of the examples of trying to create that value statement of showing what the future could look like if we have this digital uh, information-driven national airspace. And automation plays a key role in that. So to me, that, that socially acceptance uh, or social acceptance comes in an incremental way and showing people the value that it brings from a safety or quality of life or maybe equity. Um, you know, the, the availability of aviation services will change completely when we have ubiquitous drone deliveries because you can, just like Uber, you can yeah. get an Uber from anywhere. Yeah. You can call up a delivery and it'll deliver anywhere. So people who may not have access to a grocery store in their neighborhood or people who may not have access to other goods and services, aviation may be able to provide some of those for them in a new way, which is really kind of presenting that value statement. No, I think and everyone who already experienced are positive about it, as far as I know. You know, I did read a lot of studies, you know, in Europe and in America, and it seems like people are positive about it mm -hmm. until they don't need to sit in it. It's not an AAM, <laughs> but uh, maybe right. it's just my impression. <laughs> but anyone I talk to, they say, hey, I, I can make quicker thing with the less hassle. It makes my life easier, better. Yeah. They are all very happy about it. Right. You know, they don't have this major concerts, maybe a little bit of noise or security, but yeah. but not too much, you know. Yeah. I think the different question is, and maybe my closing question is the AAM, mm -hmm. you know, if someone needs to sit in it, that then to where is, I think, the the question. And, yeah. uh, and what what's your view about AAM? 
what's what's coming or yeah. what's your thoughts about it? So yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think just in general, AAM is a, a vision that we should all be working towards as yeah. an industry. Um, I think there are also uh, some barriers to achieving that, but they're not all technological. Some are the social barriers of acceptance yeah. of getting into an aircraft without a pilot. But there may be steps that we can take towards AAM, like remote area cargo, um, larger aircraft that can serve a need for delivering cargo yeah. in places where right now they don't have good access. Or maybe reducing the crew from a two crew to a single crew in um, some type of you know cargo operations where the automation begins to reduce the human workload, but also make the pilot that is there better at their job. Um, the pilot may still do some of the reasoning and decision making, but they, may, they will have this assistive technology with it. So I think AAM um, has created a really fun uh, vision and a lot of energy, and it's fun to see the aircraft companies that are building these new yeah. EVTEL aircraft for sustainability yeah. and for the, the impact to the environment from a noise standpoint or you know, carbon emissions. So from that standpoint, I think it's really going to be innovative because the technologies developed there will have an impact on other parts of the industry. Um, so it's a great vision. I'm very supportive of it, but I also uh, want to be realistic about how we achieve it incrementally and yes. safely and really from a functional um, implementation, you know, clear path to each function, replacing the pilots or augmenting the pilot, whichever it may be. But yeah, it has to be done. I really love this step-by-step -step approach mm -hmm. because you are the first who says this actually and, and I talked with a lot of people and, and everyone says hey I'm gonna come it's gonna be fantastic you know at Amsterdam Drone Week uh, the mayor of Paris said that by 2025 by the yeah. Olympics we're gonna have if I remember well yeah. and and no one ever had this approach, hey, let's do step by step, grow the drone to a bigger one, you know, have the cargo one. So people used to get to see those devices, to see those things, right. to get into the normal. And after we maybe, hey, say, do you want an air taxi? And, yeah. you know, as soon as it becomes a norm somehow, right? right? So I, I like this kind of. Yeah, you know, well, and it's interesting. It, it's a challenge because I think there are places in the world where they may be willing to trade market share yeah. for um, gaining, uh, or they may trade safety for market share. So they might be willing to implement things in a way that um, could actually be a detriment yeah. in the long run if they push something too quickly. On the other hand, we don't want to hold things back just out of yeah. being unknown or being, you know, it's new, so it's scary. Um, just as the small drone industry has incrementally grown um, I believe AAM will, will grow in a similar fashion. Um, but I also think we need the people who are pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So there may be some limited operations that could be completely safely done in a city carrying people with a segregated operation. Yeah. I think there's room for that. Um, there's room for technology demonstrations to be done under that sort of um, process. But we have to make sure that the products are airworthy because uh, an accident, yeah, and safe, because an accident will certainly set the industry back. Um, like so many yeah. years, I think. So this is our responsibility together, I exactly. think. Exactly, yeah. Thank you so much, Oh, sure, Wes. it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for the interview.